Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make Yes, yes, we are here, and we do think we can make it better, and uh, that's why we have Blog Talk Radio every week, and we have it to talk to somebody who uh, we love and have come to know and trust in their walk uh, and live in the real world with uh, faith in Jesus in their heart, and that's what makes it all so exciting. Um, so we are uh, especially uh, excited today to have our uh, our my old friend and uh, uh, friend of many of you as listeners who love the music of Peter Paul and Mary for. Uh, probably a long time. Um, please welcome uh, Noel Paul Stuckey. Noel. Hey, John. Hi. Hi, listeners. And I'm I'm curious, you call it blog talk radio, and yet I heard barking in the background, so I yeah. thought maybe it was dog talk radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dog is going to be interviewed today. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, we're all in transition, John, and we all need uh, we all need our batteries charged from time to time. <laughs> it's lovely, well, lovely I, to to hear your voice, and uh, I've been reading, you know, the Dark Horse series again online that you've posted. I remember I fondly uh, discovering that book. You know, you're you're really quite a prolific author, and I'm not sure that uh, that gets mentioned enough on your show. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, one of, of course, one of my favorite things I've ever done was uh, a couple of those uh, concerts we did w- around the novel St. Ben. And, yes. Uh, yes. That, yeah, you were such yeah. a encur- great encouragement for me on that. I, yeah, and we're bringing that around again. I, I still believe Good. that uh, I, my, my hope and desire is that, uh, that becomes a movie someday, and uh, that's really what we're hoping for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's working on a screenplay right now, but I tell you, this is <laughs> this is this is your interview, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, um, I'm so used to be. You know, when I began in the village in the '60s, um, I was at least. I was probably more of a master of ceremonies than I was a performer. I mean, to a certain ah. extent, a master of ceremonies has to be entertaining, but my function, you know, was to get other acts up on the stage and nobody else really seemed to want to do that job. But I discovered, as I think many of your listeners know, uh, from a humble perspective, that if you 
are open and uh, can admit in your mistakes and and expose your vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. that becomes uh, a very engaging uh, moment for an audience because you know, like all of us, we love to see reality, you know, and we love to see that wow. kind of um, ac- access to the real. So, yes, I am the host, and I am interviewing you, John. What is it you'd like to know about me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was thinking, uh, one thing I'd like to know is how your life has changed in this last year, uh, the 2020 (laughs) COVID year, and uh, I guess, you know, off the road, I, I can't imagine you've been doing concerts, you know, what's, what's going on? Yeah, wow. starting starting in February, uh, we begin. Uh, Peter and I begin to uh, cancel the few concerts that we had. I canceled some of the solo concerts that have been set up for me. And subsequently, like most people, I've spent a lot of time on Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. I have I have recorded a few things in the basement back here in Blue Hill, Maine, that uh, I send out from time to time. Um, trying to still stay active in the neighborhood. Uh, We have a library for whom I had done an annual uh, Christmas show. And so I sort of pulled that together with uh, some of the material that was on YouTube, fortunately, you know, so it was a mix of uh, me being Uh in the basement here talking on zoom Um, songwriting. As long as I still feel that there's something to say, um, I'm still creating the music. I I have right. two projects coming up, one of which I think is really fascinating. And I, I, I'd love to get your take on it both now and uh, when it becomes a reality in late February. And that is, I'm thinking of doing an album much like the way Paul Newman does his pizzas. <laughs> now, I know that that's a far out concept but what i mean is if you've ever read the fine print on the newman food pizza it says <laughs> all profits given to charity back at my catalog and i realized from el salvador uh in these times of uh, many of the songs that i've created uh you know even danny's downs uh which i've borrowed from michael uh blanchard have a an undercurrent of uh, causation. In other words, there are nonprofit organizations out there who are doing beautiful work in the area of physically challenged kids. Uh, There's beautiful organizations out there doing work for the environment, um, doing work on behalf of the immigrants who are seeking uh, citizenship Mm. in the country. And I thought, wow, well, let's take the Newman concept let's put 12 songs on a disc and have all of the profits go to the various causes to which these songs relate. So ah. that's my latest project. Oh, I and, love that. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really excited about it. And I think what that will do is in a sense, encourage disc jockeys to, you know, mm-hmm. to, because now they'll have a song to play and something to talk about, about the song that they're about. To mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. I love it. Well, I hope that goes well. Well, thank and, you. Yeah. Um, so, 
have you still been, um, yeah, so you've been keeping up with Zoom and have you have been doing any music uh, online, though? I mean, you know? Yeah, well, it's I, pretty, I, I do. Uh, you know, latency pretty much prohibits doing anything yeah. with anybody else in any strict time sense because there's mm-hmm. usually a half second lag. You don't right. notice it in conversation, uh, but you certainly notice it if you're trying to keep time. And yes, I have done, <laughs> I tried to do, uh, I don't know if I told you or you were aware of the fact that uh, I work with a children's group out of Texas called Kid Links. And uh, I had written a song that appeared on one of their albums called Fuzzy Wuzzy. From you remember that great poem? Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Yep. Fuzzy Wuzzy yep. had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't very fuzzy. Wuzzy. Well, when I was with uh, when Betty, my wife, was a chaplain at Northfield Mount Hermon School in Western Massachusetts, I taught a songwriting class, and one of the songs that the class wrote with me was this Fuzzy Wuzzy song. So. For the library show, I came down to the basement. I recorded it uh, so that it, you know, had a live feeling to it. And then I went back and edited it and dropped the lyrics in over my left shoulder so that uh, people who wanted to sing at home could sing along. But somehow, I, I think singing in the privacy of your own home is a mm-hmm. little more weird than singing with say 300 people at an auditorium. So I'm not, I never got feedback on how effective it was, but yes, yeah. the short answer yeah. to your question is I, I have been uh, doing some recording at home on, on zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do. I do a song every, uh, every Sunday night we have church and I uh, online and I do a song mm-hmm. there and uh, I have heard that people sing along. <laughs> So. Well, certainly this this Christmas season, uh, there were a lot of uh, carol sings, and just uh, this past Sunday, Betty and I attended the local church service, the congregational church service, and uh, you know it was sweet, really lovely to hear uh, the hymns that we knew and to be able to sing along with them. Yeah, I see. these are certainly strange times, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I understand that. Um, uh, another thing that's happened this year has, uh, is that uh, you're having a biography written, and um, that's fascinating to me. I, talk to us a little bit about that and what that experience is like and maybe what you've, what you've learned from looking, looking at your life. Uh, that's, a, that's a really astute question because that, huh. that is exactly what has happened. I mean, in the beginning – writing about me as a kid that was fun you know i mean uh you know clear up to the point where like in that song uh something special i was finding the string on the on the christmas tree that led me to the bicycle that i had always wanted uh you know those those tales from my childhood were fun but now i'm at that point in the book where uh i go to abilene texas and uh after praying into a tape recorder uh, that I was looking for truth and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be on the side of good. Where was it? Uh, and then about two weeks later, a kid by the name of Steve Hans came backstage and uh, said he wanted to talk to me. And when I said, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? He said, I want to talk to you about the Lord. And 
as probably many of your listeners know, you, you, there's a uh, internal emotional reset that takes place when you feel, oh my gosh, you know, I asked for it and here it is. Wow. So ever since that time uh, in the book, as well as in the life now that I've looked back on that began then, I see the evolution of me as a person who's trying to build bridges. And I know that uh, many of us have, I mean, I certainly expressed my early faith awkwardly. And what I mean by awkwardly is with great, with great enthusiasm and not, uh, not a small amount of arrogance because I was so excited and delighted that I had been forgiven and reborn mm. that mm. I wanted to make sure everybody I talked to knew about it. And mm-hmm. there, you know, there's, there is an off putting uh, to the, particularly to the unchurched, you know, so I, I began to discover that my, uh, whatever kind of talent I had as a songwriter was going to be my best means of communicating this experience uh, mm. and the ongoing quality and value of faith, uh, not only in my life, but hoping that it would extrapolate to other people's lives as they heard the song. Probably the most, you know, the most notable or easily identifiable song uh, with that uh, pursuit of mine was the wedding song, which curiously carries within it a kernel of truth. It's really quite, was really quite fascinating to me. Um, Do we have time to talk about it? Yes, please. Yes. Well, the the fact is um, about. Six months after my conversion, uh, Peter uh, announced that he was going to marry the niece of uh, Senator Eugene McCarthy and um, asked if, and his words were, would you um, bless our wedding with a song? And uh, humility being one of the inherited factors of being (laughs) reborn, I thought, well, I, you know, and I've said this on stage before. I said, you know, I'm not qualified to issue blessings, but I think I know where I can get one. So <laughs> I, I went into the little studio that I had in, in, in the house and I prayed. Now, you know, prayer is a very personal thing, although I think we probably have all at one point or another shared a prayer that went something like, get me out of this and I'll never do it again. This, mm-hmm. this particular prayer was uh, spot on because I asked the Lord how, how you, addressing, you know, how, how may I be of service? How, how would you manifest yourself at Peter's wedding? And the wow. lyrics came incredibly quick. And they were, you know, scriptural on one hand. On the other hand, they were, you know, straight from the mouth of the divine. You know, I am now to be among you at the calling of your hearts. Rest assured this troubadour is acting on my part. The union of your spirits here has caused me to remain for whenever two or more of you are gathered in my name. There am I and there is love. So the song was written, I mean, in 20 minutes, uh, Maybe I fiddled around with the with the bridge a little bit, uh, yeah. 
But essentially, the song was done, and it was two months before the wedding. Now, I'm, I don't know how you deal with these particular gifts when they happen, but my sense of responsibility was that this was a song created for Peter's wedding for no other purpose. Mm-hmm. These were words that were meant for Peter and Mary Beth here and, and the congregants, you know, who might be in the church. But this was a song that was prayed for and had a special purpose. So mm-hmm. nobody, nobody, not even my wife, had heard the song when we arrived at the motel a couple of hours in Wilmer before the, the service in uh, Wilmer, wow. Minnesota. And I, and I, I like to tell the story on Betty, you know, who's, she says, aren't you going to play it for me? And I say, well, you know, I think it's a special song. It's only supposed to happen in the church. And, and she goes, Oh, well, anybody who's been married for a period of time knows that, Oh, with a certain inflection means I understand, but I don't like it. And, uh, <laughs> And then she had the brilliant idea. She said, well, you probably ought to rehearse, don't you think? And I I had to allow that that was probably true. So I got out the 12 string and I sing the song. I am now to be among you at the calling of your hearts. I get through the song and I don't know if these were her exact words, but she said, they're not going to understand that, you know. And I say, what do you mean? And she says something to the effect of, they're going to think that you're announcing yourself as the second coming. (laughs) And I just, I went into paranoid mode. I went, oh, wow. She is probably true, particularly on top of the fact that for the last half of a year, I've been inundating people telling them this great spiritual experience that I've gone through. Mm. And I'm going to skew the whole wedding. I mean, I'm going to, people are going to say, well, I liked the wedding a lot, but when that guy got up and said he was God, you know, that really blew me away. And I anticipated that kind of response by virtue of who I was, where I was, and when I was. Hmm. So on the spot, I changed the pronoun to the one that most people are familiar with with the song, which is he is now to be among you at the calling of your hearts. Rest assured the troubadour is acting on his part. Okay, now flash forward 30, 40 years. And one of the primary stumbling blocks in the church is the insistence upon the patriarchal nature oh, yes. of the divine. Mm-hmm. When, uh, and... I mean, as a matter of fact, if I if I had a little if I had a bumper sticker with an extended link on it, I would probably post a poem that said, um, "In matters of theology, it's wise that we remember: in Christ there is no east or west; in God there is no gender." And huh. let that and let that be the lesson, because agape is so much more huge than we you know attest to. Um, so uh, there I had, I, I realized, you know, some 30, 40 years later that I had changed the pronoun for convenience or interpretation's sake. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think in retrospect, people really might have been able to handle it. And they certainly can handle it now. When I do the, when I do the wedding song and performance and have for the past 20 years, 
I sing it as it was given to me. I am now to be among you. And oh, I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and I don't think there's any question in people's minds uh, from from whom I'm singing this. Do you explain? Do you explain this beforehand? Oh yeah, I pretty much tell them the same story I told you just now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The only the only the only thing that I left out was uh, when Peter asked me if I would bless his uh, wedding with a song. I feel very much like that guy in the Woody Allen film that hands the bank teller a note that says, "I don't have a gun, but I know where I can get one." Because. <laughs> <laughs> Because I knew, you know, I didn't have a blessing to dispense, but I knew where I could get one. <laughs> uh, what, what, tell, tell me about tell me about some of your and I, I think it would I think it would broaden the people's uh, understanding of how musicians or songwriters get their inspiration. Hmm. Because you, you may have a line or two. What? I don't, I'm not sure you refer to it as the same I do, like a snippet or two, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a grab bag of snippets every once in a while that we'll go to and we'll say, you know, that was a good idea. I should, I should, I should work on that a little bit. But some of the, some of the avenues that we are led by the Spirit take us to places that we had not anticipated. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what that's what makes it um, that's what makes it such an adventure. And uh, honestly, I because of uh, just because of a surgery I had a while back and and the numbness in my hand, I haven't been able to mm. play for uh, a number of years now, actually. And I I I miss it because. You know, in a way, it's something that I didn't even realize I was missing until I start to really think about it. Mm-hmm. And what I what I'm missing is exactly what you're talking about—the access to something deeper that mm-hmm. the songwriting process reveals, and mm-hmm. uh, or whether it's prophetic or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's inspiration mm-hmm. or or you know, it, it may. Sometimes it may just be around a word that mm-hmm. rhymes, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, you know, in mm-hmm. my simplest my simplest song um, that I, I in fact carried in my back pocket for uh, a number of months before I had any confidence to use it. It's turned out to be my my best known song is uh, uh, "Love Him in the Morning When You See the Sun Rising," oh, yeah. "Love mm-hmm. Him in the." Because he took you through the day, and in the in between time, when you feel the pressure coming, remember that he loves you and he promises to stay. Hmm. Now, I always, when I first wrote that, I always felt like, and he promises to stay was a bit of a cop out. I, you know, I stay uh-huh. rhyme, but uh-huh. maybe not really the thing I want to say. You know, I mean, is that really a, you know, your last line should be your strongest, and. uh that's the one people go away with but I never came up with anything different. And now I've mm-hmm. watched over the years as that last line has taken on more and more meaning and significance, mm-hmm. maybe by age. And then maybe with understanding, you know, what Jesus told his uh, disciples that uh, go and make, go and make disciples of nations, uh, 
and and tell them to to obey everything I've commanded you and and then this lo I am with you always mm-hmm. even in the end of the age and mm-hmm. boy that's been hitting me lately I'm feeling like you know this feels like the end of the age in some ways and and yet that comment I am with you always is where it came from you know he promised yeah. to say and there it is you know <laughs> yes 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 words take on an incredible significance sometimes uh i i had a recent uh before the pandemic i had a performance down in san diego and in this song that i was telling you about called uh, love in the upper case there's a bridge that's saying that says i'm not saying that i love you any less or any more I'm just saying that there's more here than any one of us can take the credit for. I'm trying to mm. talk about love with a capital L. Mm. Well, I'm on stage, and it's maybe the second or third time I've sung it. I get to that bridge, and for some reason, right in the middle of the performance, I reverse the words. I say, I'm not <laughs> saying that I love you any more or any less. I've got nanoseconds to come up with a rhyme for the word <laughs> less. And, and, it, and it just came out of my mouth, and it is now the version that I use. I'm just saying that there's more here than we are usually willing to confess. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? praise God. What, what an incredible experience, you know? I mean, wow. Wow. and 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 that vulnerability is something that if you acknowledge it on stage, it doesn't always have to be the primo, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the I am so brilliant moment. It can be the total faux pas moment. But to acknowledge the reality of now on, in a performing, preaching, uh, in a day-to-day uh, communion with your fellow human being is such an important, such an important part of our mission. Just to be real. Wow. wow. Is that uh, looking back then on your life? Is that is that one of the main themes that you picked up? Um, and is there something else? maybe that you might want to talk about in the next few minutes because our time is going by uh, so fast of uh, what, what well, is... you know, I think, I think certainly the desire to be authentic mm-hmm. is burned embedded deeply uh, in my heart and to be an encouragement to others to be authentic that, uh, you know, it's, it's my it's my litany it's uh, the greatest lesson that uh, you know the greatest gift that i was given in my conversion was you know to be upfront uh even though initially you know it was difficult even for my wife to be able to handle because she's had her own uh pathway mm-hmm. uh, to the divine she understands uh you know in her heart what is righteous and 
for someone who has just had a, a spiritual experience, we do tend to borrow iconic terms because we're like babies when we're reborn. We, we don't know the language to describe this incredibly life-shaking experience that we've just gone through. So we tend to go to, I remember being stopped in a, in a uh, South Carolina airport by a, a pretty well-known preacher at the time. I, I don't remember who he is now, but he, he, he uh, threw his arms around me and said, Brother, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? <laughs> and, and, you know, I tried to answer him in the most authentic manner in which I could. I said, well, I don't know if I would put it quite in those terms, but I understand the nature of your question, and I would have to say yes. But by the time I got through saying that, he was holding me about two feet away as though I was diseased and looking at me uncomprehendingly. The thing is, I needed to be, and we all need to own our experience with God. Uh, and it is unique, you know, and something to be cherished and proud of. And, and, and uh, I mean, you are a very special child to the creator. And that is the language. I mean, when we get called into the heavenly throne room, man, I don't want to have to be, you know, I can't imagine that we would be called upon to recite the 12 things that we love most about Jesus. That we possibly had written down when we were in, in, uh, you know, in Bible school, we, we're gonna, we're going to probably not be able to speak at all, and yet the issuance from our heart will be so real, so authentic, and so now, that it wow. will serve as our final prayer. Wow, wow, that is that is so beautiful, mm. and so true. Mm. Well, gosh. That was a really fast half hour, my friend. <laughs> yeah, and, well, if you uh, get to, I've sent I've sent you the link to Love in the Uppercase. If you get a chance to okay. put it online, uh, you know it's just a rough, but it'll give people the idea. Good, good. We'll get it. We'll get it to everybody. Love in the Uppercase. Thank you, Noel. Stay healthy. Yeah, and, you too, uh, John. Maybe we and can. Especially- Especially your wife, Marty. I love you. Yeah. You you yeah. continue to heal, dear. Thank you. Thank and you. Bye bye, so Chandler. So long, <laughs> listeners. I'll Chandler. see you at the next catch. There you go. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Let's go. 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 Let's go.